I am reading from 1 Corinthians 15. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared in Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Morning. Bernard, a great friend of mine, someone that I've known for a couple years now, a bunch of us finally convinced him to plant a church in Oakland. And so he's, uh, he's going to be planting a church in Oakland somewhere in the next four to six weeks. And so we, as a regeneration family, we're looking for ways just to support him in any way we can. But I wanted to invite him to share with us an Easter message. I'm really honored that he would say yes, and he would take the time to do this. So would you please welcome Bernard? I'd like to take this time to pray for him and and this new church plant that's going to be going out. Father, thank you so much for this brother. God, may you give him wisdom and discernment as to how to go about occupying your kingdom here. I pray, Lord, for your blessing upon him, your blessing upon his family, and this church that he's about to birth here. God, thank you so much. pray that you would use him this morning to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you, Lord, for just being a good God. We thank you, Lord, for your son that uh, gave his life that we might live. We thank you, Lord, for your divine plan that brought us new life in Christ Jesus. Now, God, we pray that you would help us to speak this morning. We pray that uh, something will be said, Lord, to help us be a better people for you. We pray, Lord, that something will be said that if someone is here that does not know you, that they will come ask you, what must I do that I might be saved? And Lord, now as always, I don't know what it is about me, but it just makes me feel good, Father, to say I need you. I need you now, Lord. I know that preaching belongs to you. Man, it's just a vessel you decided to use. Use us now for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, help us preach as never before. Like a dying man to dying men and women. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we just put our hands together and tell God thank you? It is a great privilege once again to be at the Regeneration Church uh, with my brother Albert. I appreciate him so much. And I appreciate you, Regen, as a uh, church family, your prayers and your support that you uh, give us. And I just figured it would probably just be smart if we would move to Oakland closer to you all. Yeah, 
You always want to go where there's help. Yeah, so we appreciate you. Albert is teasing me. He doesn't know. He has hair. And this is long for me, actually. And when you're bald and you get up to talk, you tend to sweat a lot more. That's the only thing the towel is for. Yeah. I, I'm one of those preachers. I'm lost without my notes. And once it gets in your eyes, I'm done. I'm done. So the towel is a rescue. Um, we're so uh, happy to be here on tonight. I don't know if it's um, so much a uh, privilege because in our group, I'm like the low man on the totem pole. And they kick me around a lot. And uh, Albert, especially with uh, dreams and visions of being a ninja, he kicks me the most. <laughs> and what happened was he actually made me preach both services today. Yeah, he didn't ask. He told me to. So thank God for my younger big brother. I appreciate him. We have uh, read our scripture, and we just want to talk about this morning the importance of the resurrection. Now, when I think of the importance of the resurrection, my mind goes back to the 17th chapter of John, verse 4 in particular, Jesus' priestly prayer that he's praying to his father. And in that priestly prayer, John 17, chapter verse 4, he says something that is strange to me. To his heavenly father, he says, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. He says, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work in which you gave me to do. And when I look at that, it's strange because I often say to myself, what is he talking about? He's not talking about the cross because it hasn't happened yet. He's not talking about being buried. It hasn't happened yet. He's not even talking about his glorious, victorious resurrection that happened that Sunday. It has not happened yet. And I think to myself, what is he talking about? I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. Well, I can't help but think that he's talking about his relationship with his disciples. He spent three and a half years pouring a gospel foundation into these men that would later be recognized as what we call the church. He took three and a half years giving them this blueprint. He takes three and a half years developing this relationship with these 12 men. And when we look at those accounts, we would have to admit that we know they got it because it came from the Lord. When we look at it, we would have to say they got it, but it seems like they just didn't get it. Yeah, they got it, but they didn't get it. They got it, but they didn't get it. They got it, but they really didn't get it. He's talking to him one day and uh, he asked him, he says, you're out there amongst the people. He says, what are they saying about me? He says, well, they start to spewing out answers. Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, and, and some say this, some say this. He says, well, okay, that sounds okay, but you guys are with me all the time. What do you think about me? And just about the time everybody is scratching their head, anybody remember Welcome Back, Carter? It is Peter who does the Arnold Horseshack. Ooh, 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 I know. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, I appreciate you. You got it. But you just don't get it. See, you weren't smart enough to come up with that on your own. My daddy gave that to you. 
They got it, but they didn't get it. Even to the point where they're there and they're jockeying for position where James and John even enlisted the help of their mother. And she comes to the Lord and she says, when you come into your kingdom, I need you to do me a favor. I need one son right here and the other right here. They got it. They just didn't get it. Even to the point where one of those 12 would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. After three and a half years of him pouring this gospel foundation into him, they got it. They just didn't get it. And when I think about the events that happened that Good Friday, I'm trying to contain myself, but it just has a way of making me a weepy mess. When I think of what it cost to buy my salvation, and it was three days later, after he was crucified, after he was buried, It is three days later that the thing that we know as a church, life is breathed into it. When the angels sit there and they say, he's not here. He's risen just like he said. So that brings us to our text. The importance of the resurrection. I like to call this the Easter gospel. The importance of the resurrection. You see, people have a problem with the resurrection. People have a real problem with the resurrection of Christ. They did then and they do now. Our society has a problem with us serving a risen Savior. Let me tell you something. If he's not alive, you can find something else to do. Because this is not it. But hallelujah, praise be to God, he is alive. So we serve him. The testimony of the church is Christ died. But it doesn't stop there. It accumulates and he rose. The testimony of the church is Christ died and he rose. The fact that he was buried, it verifies his death. And the fact that he was seen by witnesses, this indeed verifies his resurrection. If Christ's body is in the grave, then there is no hope for us as believers. If Christ's body is in the grave, then the gospel is nothing but empty words. Let me tell you something, just in case you didn't know it or not, the most important message the church can proclaim is that he has risen. I don't care what they say, it's not politics. That's not the most important message, not for the church to proclaim. I don't care what they say, it's not black power. That's not the important message. Not for the church to proclaim. I don't care what they say. It is not about all these issues that are not related, that are trivial to us. The most important message we can proclaim is that we serve a risen Savior. Nothing can trump the fact that Christ died, he was buried, he was rose, and he was seen. Nothing can trump that. You know, I have a problem with a lot of churches. And I'm going to tell you what my problem is. I'm not saying anything is wrong with it, but my problem is if you don't have a good grasp for the gospel, how could you progress the other stuff? My sister, she's not here today, but uh, she, could I just be me? I'm at my brother's house. I don't understand the people with this desire to speak in other tongues when the one you got now, you can't bring in the suggestion. (laughs) Get a grip on that one first. (laughs) That was funny, huh? Uh, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. 
Nothing can trump the fact that Christ died, he was buried, he was rose, and he was seen. Listen, that story never gets old. If there is no resurrection, then Christ is dead. And if Christ is dead, then there's no gospel to preach. Yeah, I can quit now, but I won't. The resurrection is essential to the gospel. When we look at our text, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8, Paul, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and by which you stand. Verse 2 says, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. The Corinthians heard the gospel, and that gospel included a risen Savior. And watch this, that risen Savior is the cornerstone of our faith. This was not new to them. They believed this message, and they were changed by this message. Some believed this message, but there were others that denied the resurrection of Christ. They denied the resurrection of Christ because the Greeks felt like that the body was an evil thing. And how could a savior dwell in a body that was once dead and is now alive? Watch this. So that message distorted the gospel. So what Paul is saying is to reject the resurrection is to take from the gospel or to uh, dilute the gospel or to water down. And anything you dilute or water down, it tends to lose its effectiveness, right? Paul says you cannot water down the gospel. You cannot take the resurrection away from the gospel. To do that would be to water it down. Then you would be believing in vain. And then he says, look, this would make faith vain or this would make faith without cause. This would make faith without success or it would make our faith useless to preach a gospel that did not include a resurrection. True believers, true believers, watch this. Believing the gospel includes standing firmly on Christ's resurrection. To believe the gospel, it means you stand firm on the resurrection of Christ. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they say it. You can go and check. I've been there. The tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty. Now watch this. What sense would it make if we would be able to point and say, yeah, that's where my Savior lies? Yeah, that's funny too. (laughs) The tomb is still empty. True believers hold fast to the gospel in its entirety. And that entirety includes the resurrection. Paul, in verse 3, he uses the phrase, matter of first importance. He says, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised and he was seen according to the scriptures, the Old Testament. Verses 3 and 4. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament, it pointed to Christ as our Savior. It pointed to Christ as our sacrifice. You know, I was trying to contain myself when the worship team was up here singing, and they got to singing that song, and they hit that part that said, the cross is enough, and I almost lost it. Now, I don't want y'all to think I was crazy. I still had to preach. If you think I'm crazy now, that's all right. And I didn't want anybody to tackle me for running around the building. The cross is enough. Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12 in particular. Speak of the resurrection of Christ. Psalms 2 verse 7 speaks of his resurrection. Psalms 16 verses 8 through 11 speak of his resurrection. Psalms 22, it was verified by the scriptures. Then Paul, he moves on and offers three proofs that Christ was indeed raised. The first proof Paul offers their salvation. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth and it changed him. It produced fruit. 
They had received the word and they were standing firm on it. It produced faith. Their stance on the word was proof of their salvation. It produced fight. And then the second proof Paul offers that Christ was indeed raised, he said it was verified by the Old Testament scriptures. The scriptures pointed to Christ as our redeemer. I don't know if anybody was paying attention. I wasn't always, but Genesis 22, verses 7 and 8. You remember when Abraham is taking Isaac and he's about to sacrifice him? The men are with him and Abraham tells him, stay here. Or the boy and I are going to go up a little further. And Isaac's not a dummy, I guess. He scratches his head and he says, whoa, wait a minute, Pop. I see the fire. I see the wood. But I don't see no sacrifice. And Abraham, he allows us to eavesdrop. He allows us to ear hustle on the conversation he has with his son. And he says, I like the way King James puts it. Abraham's response, he says, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. You get that? The Lord will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. The Lord will provide himself in other words, God will take himself, this is how my daddy would say it, wrap himself up in himself, put himself in the body of a virgin, be born, tabernacle here 32 years, and offer himself as a sacrifice. That's heavy. Yeah, I didn't even know what Abraham was talking I wondered if Abraham know what he was saying. <laughs> then his third proof. Paul said, this is the easiest one of all. People seen him. The third proof that Christ was indeed raised, Paul says Christ was seen in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. He says first he was seen by Peter in the 12. He says he was seen by Peter. He says then he was seen by 12. Then he said he was seen by 500. Then he said he was seen by James and the other apostles. He said last but not least, I saw him. Now, I don't care what you say. I don't care how they say it. But the saying is still true. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Not only that, but maybe you can get one or two people to go along with some story you make up. If you're a good liar, you can get three or four. You're pretty good, real good, maybe five or six. But I don't know a liar good enough to get 500 people to tell the same story. Arsenio would say that's one of those things that make you say, hmm. He says he was seen. In other words, you can go ask him for yourself. They won't lie. That is the third proof he offers. Go check for yourself. He was seen. Listen, the greatest witness of the resurrection was Paul. He said, last but not least, I saw him. Watch this. Paul was an unbeliever who was convinced that Jesus was dead. The radical change in Paul's life, it proved that Christ had risen. The radical change in Paul's life proved that Christ has risen. Watch this, because a dead Savior cannot save anybody. A dead Savior cannot save anybody. Our future hope, all we believe on, the cornerstone of our faith, we live because he is alive. In fact, we love because he first loved. We exist because he created and we preach because God is still speaking. You like Paul, if God has saved you, 
You are the greatest witness to the gospel. When people look at your life and see what you used to be, they used to have this saying, they had this saying in the black church, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And when people know you, that's a testimony of the gospel. That's a testimony that Christ is alive when they see radical change in your life. Those of you who are here who have not been changed. Listen, you know others that have been changed. You know others that used to do some things that they don't do anymore. You know others that used to live raggedy lifestyles and God has changed them. That is proof that our God is alive. A dead Savior cannot save. If Christ didn't rise, if Christ is dead, then we have no reason at all to trust him. And how he paid for my salvation. I said it once, I said it again, it never gets old. When I think of the penalty that Jesus paid on Calvary, the beatings, being marched back and forth from judgment halls, the crown of thorns they placed on his head, the weight of the cross that they made him carry up a hill, the nails that they nailed in his hands and feet, and how they lifted him up and dropped him in the hole, how they pierced him in the side, how he died, how he was buried, and how he rose victoriously with all power in his hands. When I think of that, what it cost him to redeem me to God, I know he's alive. I know he lives. When I think about where he brought me from, where I am now, and where I believe he's taking me to, I know we serve a risen Savior. If you're here on today, that is our message to you. Christ lives. He's risen. Just like he said he would. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you, Lord, for just being a living God, a risen Savior. We thank you, Lord, that we have hope in you. We have faith in you. We can trust and we can believe because we know, Lord, we have evidence in our lives and in the lives of others, Lord, that you are alive. Lord, we pray that something was said, that somebody was touched, their heart was touched, that the gospel resonated, Lord, that they would believe and trust in you for salvation alone. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being a gracious God. Thank you that we have that testimony that we can say so proud. He is risen. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.